right, welcome to Indwell. So before we go on to our next chapter, I wanted to take some time uh, to simply talk to you about something that's very, very important. I want to talk to you a little bit today about the power of memorizing and meditating on Scripture. Uh, the power of memorizing and meditating on Scripture. And the reason we need to talk about the power of memorizing and meditating on Scripture is because the process of memorizing and meditating on Scripture can seem drab and powerless. So often when you're in the process of memorizing a verse of Scripture, it doesn't feel like anything's happening. The heavens are not opening, the rain is not falling, the oil is not flowing, the Spirit is not speaking. You don't feel the presence of God, you don't feel the power of God. And so what I want to do today in this talk is I want to contextualize for you the power of memorizing and meditating on Scripture. Because if you understand the context, if you understand what you are building towards when you are in the process of meditating on, or memorizing and meditating on Scripture, then as you experience sometimes the, the tedium of the process of reciting a, a portion of Scripture over and over and over again, you actually know what you're believing for. You know what you're anticipating and um, yeah, so I want to jump into this a little bit. So as we begin, I want to ask a question. And the question is, why, why are you so interested in the Bible at all? I mean, why do you want to study the Bible? You know, one of the things I'm finding is that more than ever before, believers in Jesus Christ are hungry for the Bible. And not just hungry to be fed the Bible, not just hungry to hear about the Bible, not just hungry for good preaching on the Bible or good teaching on the Bible, but to study the Bible themselves. I hear it over and over again. Believers are saying, I want to study the Bible. But the question is, why do you want to study the Bible? Do you want, because a lot of people want to study the Bible for the wrong reason. If you want to study the Bible simply to satisfy your intellectual curiosity, you want to study the Bible for the wrong reason. If you want to study the Bible to seek answers to your existential or, or philosophical questions, you want to study the Bible for the wrong reason. If you want to study the Bible in order to try to satisfy your religious obligation as a Christian, you want to study the Bible for the wrong reason. None of these are great reasons for studying the Bible. Uh, there, I'm thinking of an essay by Karl Barth, a 20th century theologian, called The Strange New World of the Bible. And he asks this series of questions. What do you go to the Bible to find? you go to the Bible to find good history? Well, if so, there's a lot of historical holes in Scripture. You're going to be disappointed. Do you go there to find good literature? Well, if so, there's a lot of uh, literary devices that are not used in Scripture. And at a certain point, you're going to be disappointed. But what do you go to the Bible to find? The answer to the question that Karl Barth comes up with, his only answer is, if you don't go there looking for the revelation of God through his son Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going for the wrong reasons. So, how do we articulate that? What are some good reasons for studying the Bible? Well, the first one, number one, to draw closer to the Lord. I mean, I want to study the Bible because I believe that if I give my attention to the words of Scripture, those the Holy Spirit will use those words to draw me closer to the Lord. That is, I want to study the Bible. I want to give my attention to the Word of God. 
because I firmly believe that it is only through giving my attention to the Word of God that I can develop a deeper depth of intimacy with God through Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Secondly, I want to become more aware of the presence of the Lord. I want to study the Bible because I believe that all Scripture is God-breathed. That means that the Holy Spirit resides within the words of Scripture. That is, when I approach the words of Scripture with a heart full of faith and thanksgiving, the Holy Spirit is released in those words, and the Holy Spirit makes me more aware of the presence of God. Thirdly, I want to learn to think God's thoughts with him. He said his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways. But he said that just like the rain comes down from heaven and replenishes the earth, his word comes from his mouth. And his word doesn't return to him void, but accomplishes that which he sends it to accomplish. And what does he send his word to accomplish? He sends his word to bridge the gap between his thoughts and my thoughts and between his ways and my ways. So that if I give my attention to the word of God, I learn to think his thoughts with him. And finally, to learn to work his works with him. Because if I think his thoughts with him, then I will learn how to work his works with him. You see, the goal of studying scripture is spiritual growth, not intellectual growth. Theology and doctrine are byproducts of spiritual growth, not replacements for spiritual growth. In approaching the pages of Scripture, our objective is to approach God, to stand before God, and to hear a word from God that can change our lives. Approaching the pages of Scripture is not a religious exercise. It is not an intellectual exercise. It is not a historical exercise. It is a spiritual exercise, and it's about approaching God with hearts full of faith and thanksgiving. Now, the goal is not to master the scriptures. Now, that, this is the thing that we got to get in our hearts and minds, because what tends to happen is you memorize one verse of scripture, and you, you, you feel like, I got it. I got it down. You memorize one chapter of scripture, and you feel like, I got it. I got it down. No. When I memorize a chapter of scripture, it doesn't mean I've got it. The goal is that it has me. I don't memorize scripture so that I can possess the scriptures. I memorize scripture so that the scripture can possess me. The goal is not to master the scriptures. The goal is to fully allow the scriptures to master us. Loving God is the goal. Loving God with all of our being is the goal. You see, the scriptures contain the thoughts of God. When we meditate on the scriptures, we learn to think God's thoughts with him. And this is how we love God with our minds. But also the scriptures contain the heart of God. And as we meditate on them, we receive God's passions through them. This is how we learn to love God with our hearts. And the scriptures also contain the will of God. As we meditate on them, we progressively bring our will into conformity with God's will. This is how we love God with our will. And finally, the scriptures contain the works of God. As we meditate on them, we obtain the faith we need to work God's works with him. This is how we love God with our strength. And so the goal is to love God with all of our minds, with all of our hearts, with all of our will, and with all of our strength, with the totality of our being, loving God, allowing the scriptures to master us. That is, allowing the Holy Spirit to fully possess us as we give our attention to the Word of God. Now, um, growing deeper in Scripture is a process. It's an intentional process. 
Uh, it's not some mystical thing that happens. You don't, you don't just wake up one morning and suddenly you're deep in the Word of God. It's an intentional process comprised of four very intentional steps. The first step is what I call recitation. And recitation is the process of memorizing the text. Uh, as you've seen in the Indwell podcast, I use this process of recitation in which we break the text into two or three or four digestible pieces, and then we recite each of those pieces eight times. So we, we recite them. And uh, we recite them until we memorize them. So that's step one. You've got to recite the text until you memorize it. The second piece is meditation. Step two is meditation. And meditation is the proce process of awakening to the text. See, we don't realize the degree to which we are asleep concerning the Word of God. Uh, we, we're not awakened to the text, but when I meditate on a, a verse of Scripture, I become awake to it. I become alive to it, and I begin to see it, and I begin to see it from not just from a perspective. It's not about reflecting on the meaning of the text, but I actually begin to hear the words of the text, and I know I'm awakening to the text when I begin to become aware of the degree to which I don't believe it. This is the key. In order to come to faith, I have to become aware of my unbelief. And the first thing God does is expose my unbelief before he gives me the gift of faith. So i got to meditate on the, the, the verses of Scripture in order to get there. The third part of the process is reflection. Reflection is the process of applying the text. Now, reflection, I'm going to think about the text. In meditation, I'm only thinking the text. In reflection, I'm thinking about the text. See, a lot of people think they're meditating on Scripture when really what they're doing is reflecting on Scripture. But if you're reflecting on Scripture before you've meditated on Scripture, you're trying to possess the text before you're allowing the text to possess you. In meditation, we surrender to the text. We're just letting the text turn over and over and over and over again in our hearts and minds. We're giving it our undivided attention. In meditation, we surrender to the text. And then in reflection, we think about the text. It's the process of inclining our ear and applying our heart to understanding. And then from reflection, we move on to investigation. And investigation is the process of studying the text. This is what people call Bible study. This is where you get out your concordances and maybe some Bible commentaries. And you go to a few websites. You get out your Strong's. You look up the Greek and the Hebrew. And most people skip right to this step of investigation because their real goal is just to get some nuggets that they can share with people to make them sound like they're really deep and really spiritual. But you, if you jump right to investigation, you're acting like, uh, you know, you're acting like you're, you're like a police officer, an investigator of some sort. And the text, you put the text on trial. A lot of people say, I just want to dissect the text. And we forget that when we dissect a living thing, we kill it. We put it to death. We turn it into a letter that kills. But it's the spirit that gives life. And it's in meditating on the text, leading to reflection on the text, that awakens the power of the Holy Spirit latent within the text that causes it to breathe life into the depths of our very soul. This is all a very powerful process. Now, each of these steps uh, leads very naturally 
to the next, and without even one of them, the result of your process will be shallow, unsupported, unclear, or spiritually irrelevant. So, first of all, recitation. Now, now as I've said before, this stage seems drab and powerless. You know, a lot of verses, even like in Isaiah 60, some of the verses didn't seem to make sense. Uh, Some of the verses didn't seem to be powerful. Like, there doesn't seem to be anything in this verse Uh, that nothing is jumping off the page, but this stage is absolutely essential for cultivating spiritual depth through the scriptures. Uh, Once you move into meditation, once again, meditation also seems drab and powerless sometimes, but what meditation does is it makes room in your heart for the revelation of God to unfold itself. Then you get to reflection, and reflection broadens your awareness of the whole counsel of God and how each verse of Scripture participates in the whole of revelational truth. You know what happens is, as you meditate on a text, you you begin to absorb it into your being. But then when you begin to reflect on it, other texts, other verses of Scripture that you've meditated on before begin to pop up one by one, and you begin to see connections that you never saw before, and you begin to get a broader picture, a broader awareness of the whole counsel of God and how each verse of Scripture participates in the whole of revelational truth. Then when you get to investigation, investigation provides you with the opportunity to explore different hypotheses that emerge from reflection to see if they work biblically. Oftentimes, I get, you know, I have these these insights, these ideas. I'm like, yeah, this is so good. But then when I actually begin to investigate, when I actually begin to look at the commentaries, when I begin to look at the, the Greek or the Hebrew, when I, when I begin to look at the concordances, when I begin to actually study, I begin to see that some of my hypotheses that came out in reflection don't actually work. They don't actually fit. They're not biblical. They're not sound theologically. And so I've got to do some investigation uh, in order to uh, in order to see how this works together. So you see that these processes, they feed naturally into one another. But the, the core that I want to communicate to you today is that you cannot skip steps. Don't just go straight to investigation. It, it's not a spiritual process if you do it that way. It's just, it's a performance. Uh, it's it's very mind-oriented. You got to take the time, as Theophan the recluse said, to descend with the mind into the heart and there stand before God. You know, we got to learn how to descend into the deep places with God. And we got to learn how to go deeper uh, in, in Scripture with God. Now, um, now, before you meditate on a text, you got to select the text. Your first step will be to select a passage of Scripture. Now, of course, every verse of Scripture in the Bible is equally inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there's different types of verses that function in different ways. But for the purposes of meditation, it's best to hone in on three types of passages. The first is what I call prophetic texts. Now, prophetic texts, they illumine your present or your future. They illuminate your present or your future. They cause you to see either your present or your future in light of God's revelation. Second are what we call didactic texts. And didactic texts, uh, the word didache means to teach. It means teaching. Didactic texts are teaching texts. They correct your error or they affirm your truth. And then there's what I call covenantal texts. Covenantal texts, they call for a higher level of devotion 
to God. Now, there's also historic, poetic, parabolic, apocalyptic texts that are just as inspired and thus provide the context within which prophetic, didactic, and covenantal texts reside. So it doesn't mean that we do away with all these other different types of texts, but I like to hone in on these. Uh, These are where you find the power moments in meditation. Um, uh, This is where the revelation takes place. This is the core. Um, But we give our attention to the whole counsel of God. So let me give you some examples of prophetic texts. Here's a couple. How about Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11? This is the paradigmatic prophetic text. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. That's a great prophetic text. How about Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Right? I mean, these texts of scripture, they illuminate your present situation. When you're experiencing fear, these prophetic texts speak the now word of God to you that call you in the now to a place of of immediacy with God. Here's another one. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And this speaks of a future happening, something that God is going to do. Uh, It illumines our future, illuminates your future. So the first to illuminate your present and the last one illuminates your future. How about some examples of some didactic texts. Uh, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. You know, whenever you're tempted to think that God messed up or God made you a promise that he didn't fulfill, you know, we gotta call, we, we need these verses of scripture to call to mind. Say, no, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Or how about Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This teaches us who we are in Christ, and it teaches us about the the deposit of salvation that we've been given through our faith in Christ. And then Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, a very powerful didactic text that teaches us about Jesus Christ. And then finally, there's covenantal texts, Joshua chapter 24 verse 15, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. This verse of scripture calls us to make a decision that we're going to serve God with all of our hearts and with all of our souls and with all of our strength. What a powerful, powerful verse of Scripture that calls us to covenant. Psalm 106.1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. This verse calls us to do something. Give thanks to the Lord. And it tells us why. Because He's good and His mercy endures forever. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture that calls us to walk rightly before God. It's a covenantal text. All right. Now, um, recitation, once you've selected your verse of scripture, now you've got to recite it. And recitation is the act of repeatedly vocalizing the text of scripture. This is the heart of my method for memorizing scripture. This is what we use here in the Indwell podcast is recitation. The purpose of this act is to cultivate a renewed sense of intimacy with the text. Now, the thing is, we've got to move from familiarity to intimacy. You see, familiarity is the enemy of intimacy. 
you know, the greatest, the, one, of the, one of the primary reasons why we don't develop depth in the Word of God is that we think we're already deep in the Word of God. We hear a verse of Scripture, and it's so familiar to us that we think we know it. The greatest hindrance to biblical insight is the assumption that you know what the text says, what it means, and how it applies. Recitation is a defamiliarizing act that makes intimacy possible. Everyone needs to read Abraham Joshua Heschel, Abraham Joshua Heschel his book, The Prophets. Excuse me. Heschel, just the introduction. It's a tome. It's a brick of a book. But if you just read his introduction when he talks about defamiliarization of the, the text of Scripture, and, and it, it is very, very powerful. Just read that introduction if you can. Um, so the first step is to divide. you got to divide the text into two or three digestible sections. I do this in every episode of the Endwell podcast. I divide the text for you into digestible sections. Then you recite each section eight times without looking at the text. Okay, This is the key. Now, when you're, when you're listening to... See, this is the thing. Endwell is not a podcast that you should just listen to. Listening to me recite the text to you while you're driving in your car, while you're jogging, it's not going to do you any good. Well, it might do you a little bit of good, but it's, you're not going to memorize anything just listening to the Indwell podcast. The Indwell podcast, it, it's, it requires your participation. you got to recite it out loud. If you don't recite it out loud with me, you're not going to memorize the text. The whole process is broken down for you because you're simply listening. You're wanting me to do the work for you. No, you have to do the work. Okay, you got to recite each section eight times. But secondly, do it without looking at the text. This is so important. I see people when they're trying to memorize things and they're holding their phones open and they're reading it off their phone eight times. No, you, you haven't memorized anything by reading it. Don't open your computer or open your phone. Recite it with me eight times. Force yourself to do it without looking at the text. And you better believe that's what I'm doing over here. You know, and I'm I'm putting my neck out on the line by by reciting it eight times without looking at it, because uh, if I mess up, I look like a fool, where I sound like a fool to you in your car while you're on the way to work. Uh, anyway, and then you got to combine the text. You put the parts together and recite the whole verse once again. It's exactly what we do uh, in every um, in every episode of Indwell. So most verses of scripture can be divided into between two and four parts. The first step for meditating on a verse is to divide it into sections that are both natural to the text and digestible for your mind. I'll give you a couple examples here from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. So if we're going to memorize Ephesians 4, 1, say, part 1 would be, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Part 2 would be, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. All right? Um... And then we repeat it, right? Now it's time to commit it to memory. This, and, and, you know, it's really easier than you think. I, if there's anything I can give you, a lot of people think, I'm terrible at memorizing. I can't memorize. No, anybody can do it. Anybody could. Nothing could be further from the truth. You divide the, the text. You recite the text. You recite part one eight times. You recite part two eight times. And then you recite parts one and two eight times. Right, and then do that again with the second text, right? Uh, and then then put parts one, two, three, and four together. However many parts there are, you know, you could do this. You combine it. You know, you memorize it, and then you combine it, and then you go on to the next verse. and And you don't have to worry about that because I teach it to you very clearly uh, in every episode of the Indwell Podcast. Now that you've memorized the text, you're ready to meditate on it. 
Meditation goes beyond memorization, and this is the last thing I'll share with you. A lot of people think that now that I've said it eight times, I've done it. I've I've meditated on Scripture. No, you haven't. You've recited it. You cannot meditate on a verse of Scripture that you have not first memorized. However, memorization is not the same thing as meditation. Because when you are reciting the verse, your whole goal is to recite the verse. That's it. You're not giving your undivided attention to the text yet. You're simply trying to absorb the words into your brain so that you can remember them. But meditation goes deeper than memorization. You see, if you think the goal is just to memorize the text, you'll stop after you've committed the text to memory. But if the goal is meditation, then memorization is just the beginning. You see, memorization is the foundation But meditation means giving the text your undivided attention for a specific period of time. Now, this may sound easy, but it's actually very mentally taxing at first because it engages three of the five major functions of conscious thought. First, recalling. Memorization, you're recalling. That is a major function of conscious thought. It takes an enormous amount of mental energy, and that's bringing the text back into the present of conscious thought, okay? And then secondly, memorizing, which is depositing the text into the basal ganglia for long-term memory. And then thirdly, inhibiting, which is intentionally restricting the mind from wandering away from the text, right? So when you're memorizing, there's these mental processes that you have to focus on in order just to deposit the text into your memory. But when you're meditating, You're not just trying to ensure that you can recall the text. Now you're giving the text your undivided attention. You see, meditating on Scripture is a practice that pleases God, renews the mind, aligns the heart, and empowers the will to make decisions that agree with God's good, perfect, and acceptable will. Meditation has to do with the state of your heart and mind, not the location of your body. You don't have to be in a particular place or assume a particular position to do it. You don't have to you know, hold up your hands and make a circle with your thumb and middle finger and stick out your other fingers. All you have to do is take the time to intentionally focus your heart and mind on the Word of God as it comes to us through the pages of Holy Scripture. The dream, my dream, the dream behind the Indwell podcast is to teach the Bible to the whole world. But not teach the Bible in terms of studying and Hebrew and Greek and context and history. And and all of those things are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting any of that down. But I want to start at the beginning. I want my goal, my dream, my dream, the passion of my heart, the desire of my heart would be that if you would take the person you know who has the deepest depth in Scripture of anyone that you know, that the average believer one day, the average believer, would be deeper in in Scripture, deeper in Scripture than the person you know right now who is deepest. I mean, I'm talking about the average believer would be so full of the Word. I mean, what, what would the body of Christ be like if just the average believer that you ran into on the street had whole chapters, even whole books of the Bible committed to memory and dwelt in the Word of God, not out of pride, but out of humility of heart. 
the kind of humility of heart that says, Lord, I'm not here to possess your word. I'm here to hide it in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I'm here to, to make it the, my delight so that I might meditate on it day and night. I want to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I want to cleanse my ways. As David said, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By giving heed to your word, O God. I want it to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want to let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. And, and the word of Christ will dwell in you richly if you let it. But that's my dream, and that's the dream behind the Indwell podcast. And so my admonition to you, my, my, the cry of my heart, if you hear anything, is give your attention to this. Every day, wake up in the morning, turn on the Indwell podcast, get the next verse, and say it out loud with me. Declare it with all of your might, but don't just say it out eight times and turn it off and forget it for the rest of the day. But make it your aim to meditate on that verse throughout the day. At your lunch hour, meditate on that verse. When you're driving home at night, meditate on that verse again. Whenever some difficult circumstance happens, meditate on that verse again. Give it your undivided attention. And I'll tell you, I, I got to end, I got to tell you this story. My daughter, I picked her up from school a few weeks ago, and I could tell when she walked out of her classroom that something was wrong. And I said, Baby, what's wrong? But all of her friends were around. She didn't want to talk. When I finally got her in the car, she broke down and she started crying. I said, baby, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she said that one of her friends at school was mean to her. And she said, I never want to be your, I'll never be your friend again. And, and all of the rest of the kids in her class turned and walked away. And she felt so ashamed and she felt alone. And I felt so bad for my little girl. I said, oh, baby, I'm so sorry that happened, you know. And I took her to get ice cream and we went bowling and then I cheered her up, you know. And then I said, look, baby, that night as we were doing our, our scripture memorization, we were in Psalm 27. I said, look, baby, I said, listen, let me tell you why you're memorizing these scriptures every night. I said, because during the day at school, whenever you're sad, whenever you're hurt, whenever you're afraid, whenever anything happens, I want you to just stop and I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to just say that verse in your heart. Just, just let the word of God come to your heart and mind. And she said, okay, daddy. And the next day, the next morning, I'm driving her to school. We're reciting the verse together again. And I said to her, I said, remember, baby girl, you know, if anything happens today that, that makes you sad, you just close your eyes and say this verse and just know that the Lord is with you. She said, all right, okay. Well, I, I didn't think too much about it. I didn't stop to think what verse it was that we were meditating on. But after school, she walked out of her classroom and I'm standing there. She had the biggest smile on her face. And I said, baby, how was your day today? She said, it was great. And she's smiling ear to ear. And she said, that same little girl was mean to me again. But all I did was close my eyes. And I said in my heart, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. And I just, I laughed. I said, good job, baby girl. Good job. Now we're going to have to work on a better verse to memorize, you know, to meditate on in that moment, you know, but, but good job, good job, you know, way to go. And she was so excited, but you know, that's the key that she's learning how to make the Lord her refuge through the words of scripture. And this is what we all need to learn in order to grow up in all things into him who is the head. We got to learn how to speak the truth in love. But we do that by making the Lord our refuge. And we make him our refuge when in the time of trouble, 
we learn to run to him. See, this is what a child does with their father, a little boy, a little girl. When my daughter's afraid, she runs to daddy. When she's in pain, she runs to daddy. When she's sad, she runs to daddy. When she's angry, she runs to daddy. And this is how we need to, we need to learn how to run to our Abba Father. But we do it by giving our attention to the Word of God. And this is what I found. If I give my attention to the Word of God in prayer early in the morning, throughout the day, my mind runs there without me trying not even intending to, not even thinking to. In the morning, it's very intentional. In the morning, it's very intentional. I'm, I'm forcing my heart and mind to focus on the Lord. But all of a sudden, in the middle of the day, I find my mind drifting off into Isaiah 40. or I find my heart drifting off into Psalm 18 or Psalm 112. I find my heart, all of a sudden, I find myself praying and speaking out my praises to the Lord. And I didn't intend to, I didn't think to. Why? Because when you train yourself to be godly, you learn that in the time of trouble, your training begins to kick in. And many of us have not trained ourselves to be godly. We've trained ourselves to be ungodly. And the proof is in the pudding. Because in our worst moment, when we're afraid, when we're angry, when our training kicks in, instead of scripture coming out of our mouths, sometimes profanities come out of our mouths. Come on, somebody. I know I'm talking to somebody. No, but th this is what I'm saying. We've got to give our attention to the Word of God. And so I just wanted to encourage you this morning to go for it, to go for it with all that you got, with all that you are. And let's do this thing. God bless you. Have a great day.